everyone, and welcome back to the Gryffindor Common Room. I'm your host, Retta. And I'm Michelle. And today, we have a very special guest with us. As promised, my friend Preston is here. Hello. All right. So, Preston, of course, we're going to put you in the hot seat today because you're our guest. And whether you're my friend or not, <laughs> evil laugh. Um, we have some questions for you first before we get going. Are you ready for this? Absolutely. Okay, what house are you in? I'm a Ravenclaw, proudly. Okay, yay, go Ravenclaws. All right, what is your favorite book? Probably The Half-Blood Prince. Yes! That's our favorite, too. Yes! <laughs> yes! Okay. I picked the right yes. one. <laughs> yes, you did. Okay. <laughs> there was no other answer. Uh, favorite movie? Um, Prisoner of Azkaban. Okay, why? I think because it um, tells a lot of the story. It really, like, opens up a lot more of, like, what's coming into the series. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they did an okay job of somewhat keeping to the to the book and the movie as well with the third. I mean, there's some things that are off, but we'll get to that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. That is what today's episode is kind of about. All right. Who's your favorite character? So it's a toss-up between either Hermione or Luna Lovegood. <laughs> um, I do just love Hermione and like just how real she is and smart and just like always, I don't know, always keeping everybody in check in a way. Um, but then there's also Luna Lovegood and she's just so quirky and fun. Um, I just love her. She is. <laughs> and it stays true to your house with that. Okay, now, have you done the Patronus and Wand check on the Wizarding World, or have you not yet? I have. Ooh, okay. What is your Patronus? A St. Bernard. I can and see that. When I got it, I was a little surprised. I was like, huh, I don't really know. But if I got to thinking about it more, and if I was going to be a dog, I think that's the dog I would pick, honestly. So it makes sense. I can see you as a St. Bernard. I also wow. loved the Beethoven movies when I was a kid, so I think that might have something to do with it. <laughs> Those were good. Okay, what's your wand? A willow wand. Okay, what about the core? Did you, uh, you remember what the core was? Let me look. Or Hold not off the top of your head. Okay, go ahead and look. Yeah, it's oh, always interesting digging into wand lore with people. <laughs> I have a willow wood wand with a dragon core, 13 inches, and slightly Ooh. yielding flexibility. Okay, okay. Do you identify with any of that? I mean, does yeah, that do. make um, sense for you? Reading it, it says willow is an uncommon wand wood with healing power, and I have noted that the ideal owner of the willow wand has, often has some un- usually unwarranted insecurity. However, however well they may try and hide it. While many confident customers insist on trying a willow wand, attracted by their handsome appearance and well-founded reputation for enabling advanced nonverbal magic, my willow wands have consistently selected those of greatest potential, rather than those who feel they have little to learn. It has always been a proverb in my family that he who has the furthest to travel will go fastest with willow. Okay. And I thought that All was right. interesting. Like, yeah, sure. Like, I, 
I do seem confident, but with little insecurities and things like that. So yeah, it, I have a feeling it, it definitely like stays true to me. Yeah, your confidence really shows at work, and I, I love that about you. Oh, thanks. I really do. Um, you're very confident watching you work. I'm just like, okay, nothing phases Preston. <laughs> like this, this guy is totally unflappable. And then I, I'm sure in your mind you're questioning yourself, but you don't show it. Well, thank you. So that's great. So we will have another question for you, and we're going to put you in the hot seat a little bit later, but we're, we're going to let you sit on that for a while. Okay. <laughs> um, and just a heads up for our guests, we do have a new segment coming today um, in addition to interviewing Preston. Uh, we also got our first listener voicemail, so we will be listening to that and discussing that. Um, we've not discussed the answer to this question yet, but it's a doozy, so... It'll be it'll be a good discussion. Now, Preston did have a heads up on that question. I did yes. play the voicemail for him at work. Um, I think his eyes bugged out a little bit when he heard <laughs> it. He went, "Oh, damn!" Um, so, uh, but we did not discuss an answer, if I remember correctly. We kind of touched on it and walked away. So it'll be interesting to hear Preston's thoughts on that. Just for everyone out there, spoiler alert, we deep dive into this. If you have not finished the books or the movies, be prepared for that. Yes, because today's topic, uh, we're going to be discussing moments in the books that should have been in the movies or kind of like overall themes um, that the movies kind of missed. And we're going to go kind of chronologically book by book. Uh, definitely not a comprehensive list. Uh, we understand that books and movies are very different mediums. There are certain things that you have to change, you have to cut. Uh, but these are just some of the things that we wish were in the movies. All right. You want to start this off, Retta? And we'll go to Preston. Yeah. So first one that I had, um, Philosopher's Stone, I think is probably the truest book-to-movie adaptation. Um, but there's a moment in the book you know, when they first encounter the devil's snare, when they're going into the trap door, where Hermione's like, I can't set a fire, I don't have any wood. And Ron's like, wood? What do you need wood for? Are you a witch or not? Yes. And yes. it just, it's such a key Ron moment, and I'm sad that we didn't get it. Yeah, and it, it shows their friendship at that point, too. Yes. You know, the the you pick on your friends, you know, whether you should or not, you do. Right. Yep. <laughs> so, okay, Preston, what about you? What, anything from that movie in particular that you missed? Um, they left out, like, when Hagrid picked Harry up, like, came to the house and got Harry. They left out that whole, like, month, kind of, where Harry went to Diagon Alley and got all of his things and then went back to mm -hmm. the Dursleys and was waiting um waiting to go to hogwarts waiting for him to be dropped off by the dursleys who just dropped him off without a care in the world and said find your own way which he had no clue what he was doing so you didn't really you saw in the movies where it was just diagonally then platform nine and three quarters and then hogwarts um yeah so i think like that that countdown would have even like a quick little two minute montage of calendar flipping or something like would have helped to tell the story a little bit more Agreed. Um, 
it it just seemed like it moved too fast. Mm-hmm. Like everything was very rushed, and I I get it. Um, I do that. That book covered a lot of details. Um, I would like to have seen a little bit more <laughs> uh, with um, interaction with the Dursleys than Harry had. You know, like the discussing that it's his uniforms in in, in the pot. They're dyeing his uniforms. They didn't cover that. Um, yeah, we're getting like have the, the hand me downs. Well, the hand me downs from uh, his cousin. They, they they didn't really cover that. Right. Yeah. Or getting the Hogwarts letters, like with the milk cartons or in the eggs, and yes, you know all the different jinxes that you know Dumbledore was just like having a great time trying to find the most inconvenient ways for the Dursleys. <laughs> And you didn't get to see that. You only saw a flood of letters come into the house rather than all the quirky, fun ways that Dumbledore was trying to communicate. I agree. Mm -hmm. And I I still say McGonagall had a part in that, too, because you can't convince me she didn't. (laughs) The two of them were just, like, huddled over Dumbledore's desk, like, giggling together as they're trying to figure all this out laughing at each new idea that they came up with like oh my god that's great <laughs> mm-hmm. all right what about chamber secrets i will be honest i am terrified of spiders and therefore have only seen this movie like three or four times as opposed to the 10 plus times i've seen all of the other movies so. <laughs> same and i remember like reading that scene of the book and i'm just like oh my god spiders everywhere what (laughs) i have to picture it as puppies (laughs) oh god oh god i mean in ron's defense though he i would have been terrified too yeah i mean your teddy bear turning into a spider Mm. you know yep yeah and I i think chamber secrets they did a pretty good job of, of keeping a lot of it in there. There were some things that I didn't make note of. Um, on the train scene in the movie, uh, Hermione fixes Harry's broken glasses. And that's kind of a plot hole because that's illegal. She can't use magic on the train underage. Like, and in the book, it was actually Mr. Weasley that fixed them for him. So just like tiny details like that that like leave little like, wait a minute moments. But... I, I yeah. do agree that they they really filled the uh, book two or movie two with a lot of the book references and things. I, I think my, my thought has always been on Hermione fixing the glasses that it was to show how much more advanced she was as a Muggleborn compared to Ron, who had grown up in the magic world. Okay, it kind of shows how how smart she is. She took it upon herself to study this. I'm not right? studying yeah. if I don't have to. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you that, but then it is like a big deal because then, like, you know, we see in Prisoner of Azkaban, it's even worse because Harry's like using Lumos under his blanket to open the movie. And then, like, two scenes later, he's afraid he's going to get expelled for using magic outside of school. And you're like, <laughs> but you were just using Lumos at the beginning of the movie. Like, that's just as illegal. Right. I think I, I always wondered, though if the Ministry for Magic did not sit there and look at the spells being cast and go, okay, it's a kid doing something. Yeah, this is this is harmless. harmless. Like the Lumos. 
you know, they probably realized, oh, he's probably trying to get away with something. It's not going to kill anyone. It's not going to harm anyone. He's in his house. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah. True. It's late at night. Yeah. Kids are going to be kids, and I would hope, at least back then, the Ministry of Magic would have understood. Later on in the books, forget it. They would have had him in Azkaban for that. Yep. Yeah. All right, Any so... Any other thoughts mm-hmm. on Chamber of Secrets? Not no. really. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to kind of pass uh, Prisoner of Azkaban to Preston here and find out what moments for him. Okay. Um, Should have been in. So one of the biggest things for me was the, the Firebolt. Um, when Harry got the Firebolt. And yes. Hermione, like, so they put it at the end of the movie. Um, and in the book, it was right in the middle. It was in the midst of the Crookshanks and Scabbers drama where Ron couldn't find his rat and blamed the cat. And then this mysterious broom showed up from who knows who. And Hermione is like, we don't, we shouldn't trust this. We need to go to somebody, have them look at it. And these 13 year old boys were all like, what? No, it's a brand new fireball. Like, we can't do that. And I think that would have told a lot more with the story and helped rather help their drama that was going on rather than it just being about the pets, you know? Yeah, because that was really important to their friendship dynamic because then it was both Harry and Ron who were mad at Hermione because they were like, are you kidding me? Like, this is the best racing room out there. Harry has to be able to have it so we can defeat Slytherin. Like, exactly yeah that that was i think that's my number one moment too it's like why did you not do this and i remember watching the movie and going wait hold on and i paused and i went this doesn't happen yet what are they doing (laughs) you know this is way back this should have happened and i was waiting for that scene to build and it never came and then at the end it comes and it's like wait what yeah yeah, because in the in the books it happens at Christmas, right? Like yes, he gets it as a present yeah. for Christmas. Sure, yeah, yeah, it was at least around that time. Yes, so yeah. yeah, I I do miss a lot of the drama with the Crookshanks and Scabbers. Yeah, what we did get was fantastic. I wish we had more. Yes, mm-hmm. I mean they could have also put a really quick end to the whole series if they had just let Crookshanks eat Scabbers. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> oh my gosh, problem solved. End of story. <laughs> right there. Right. <laughs> there is no return of Voldemort. Yeah, Scabbers is no more. Um, no, and I, I think, I think they they were as true as they could be. Um, to Sirius Black. Um. But this is something Loretta and I will discuss later, is the aging of those characters. And that was something that was a little off-putting for me in the movie, was that really Sirius is younger, and Gary Oldman was quite a bit older. So, yes, he was supposed to look rough. He was supposed to look beat up. He just spent forever in in jail. Twelve years of it. Yeah. I did my waiting. Twelve, 12 years, years of it. 
it has command. <laughs> yes. Um, so yes, he's supposed to look rough, but I think also seeing we should have seen a younger Lupin, we should have seen a younger Sirius. Not that the actors weren't great; they were perfect. Yep. And a younger Snape. That's that's my only complaint about Alan Rickman. Yeah. Otherwise, he like entirely nailed the role completely. But all of those were supposed to be in their early 30s. Right. I feel like they made all the adults in the movies just way too old. I do agree to that. Like, even Dumbledore was (laughs) way too old. (laughs) Right. Especially when you go back and you look at, um, you know, the Fantastic Beasts and you see Jude Law and you realize the time period, Jude Law to, to, to that. Right. That was to a Richard tough, Harris. That was a tough twenty years for him. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the costume changes. How did he go from like the three-piece suits that are like super well tailored in Fantastic Beasts to the like baggy robes we see in the flashback no. in Half Blood Prince? Right. Uh yeah, yeah. But it, yeah, I I would have loved to also have seen more with Lupin. Mm. You know, because there was more interaction with him you know more classroom interaction with him mm-hmm. yeah we really um, only had that one classroom scene with him when they were learning to fight mm-hmm. the logger that was that was about it mm-hmm. yes so i, I would they needed to put more of him in there especially as he is such an important character to the rest of the series from that moment on mm-hmm. and they kind of just went yeah let's just side note him over here yeah we needed more lupin overall more Snape too. <laughs> <laughs> You're being swiftly over from that comment. Um, <laughs> she was me... She said, "Uh." <laughs> Gryffindor Press... winning the Quidditch Cup. We missed yes. that, and it makes Where me was so it? sad. Yes, it, mm-hmm. because it was such. And like, I get it. The Quidditch film scenes were probably a pain to film. I understand it was really expensive with all the CGI of them flying around on brooms. I get that. But it just, it was one of my favorite moments in the books. And it was so key for Harry. It was so just like, finally, all this training and hard work has finally paid off. And I didn't like get knocked unconscious. And, you know, I was actually able to be here for it. Exactly. After like a terrible, another terrible year at Hogwarts, like you finally made it through. And then there's that victory. Like, yeah, there wasn't. It wasn't that moment. Like, I think that's something that was really missing from all the books was, was more of the Quidditch. Because there were so many key moments, and we'll go into that later with Ron and, and Harry and all that, but Quidditch was a main thing for them. And it was, it was cut out in a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So... Um, all right, Goblet of Fire. Retta, you want to take the lead on that one? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that was, like, we were upset that was missing is SPEW, um, Hermione's Society for the Promotion of Elvish Welfare. Um, <laughs> for those of you who haven't read the books, Hermione finds out at the Quidditch World Cup just how horribly wizards tend to treat their house elves and is very, very upset about it. And Everyone around her is like, Hermione, they like being enslaved. They like being treated this way. It's fine. Hermione's like, 
no, it's not. They're magical creatures. They deserve wages. They deserve holidays. Why are we treating them this way? And it's just so defining for who she is. I agree. It is a defining moment for who she is. Like, she is the activist. She's the person to get out there and help others, really. And we miss that in the in the movie, for sure. Um, and And for me, this is the defining moment. I said this in our last podcast where we see that she really is a Gryffindor and not the Ravenclaw that everyone thinks she should be. Because she is smart enough to be in Ravenclaw. We know Ravenclaws are geniuses. We know that. Um, but this standing up for what she believes really is that being brave, putting herself out there against opposition because no one agrees with her, really is a defining Gryffindor moment for her. Yeah, talk about daring nerve and chivalry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Goblet of Fire, too, the, the, we said this in the last podcast, um, the whole Quidditch World Cup. You know, we needed to see more of that. The, wor- the wizards from all over the world. I agree, because in the, in the book, it was such an elaborate scene, and you there was so much imagery and everything, and you didn't see mm-hmm. hardly any of it in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, I yes. wish we'd gotten more of the Quidditch World Cup and none of the dragon chasing Harry around Hogwarts, because that did not happen Which in the book. didn't happen. At all! <laughs> like, he flew straight up so that the dragon would leave the ground, so then he could dive down underneath because he knew he could dive and be more agile and get to the egg faster because, you know, he's a seeker. And yeah, it was so stupid that they wasted their budget on the stupid dragon flying around the castle. It just made no sense. It made for a great visual, but I sat there and shook my head the entire time going, why? (laughs) This is where we waste our budget on, folks. I could have had more Quidditch and you gave me this. Yeah, it could have been an action-packed Quidditch scene, whereas... You gave us a thing that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I... That, that That's always kind of, I think, ruffled everyone's feathers. This, that scene, in particular, when people talk about what was wrong with it. Adding that scene. And this is... So I guess that goes hand in hand. What did they leave out and what did they add in that did not need to be there? And that was it. Mm-hmm. Are like the Bobaton students all being girls and Durmstrang students all being male? All being boys. Exactly. Those were both co-ed schools. I'm sorry, Fleur was not just the best of the girls school. Like, mm-hmm. she was cool in her own right. And I just, I hate their like, prance on dainty toes. <sighs> <laughs> they made both schools very one-dimensional by making them like, all boys and all girls. Like, whereas they weren't. Now, now, you know, that would be a good question to ask Stan at the next LeakyCon. Yeah. Like, by the way, how did you feel about this? <laughs> Find out if he actually read the books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would not win me any points with him. Okay. <laughs> going to do that. Yeah. I think one of the other things that, like, has so been turned into a meme in the fandom is the... Harry, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? Said Dumbledore, 
calmly. 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 Not like storming into the room, shouting at Harry, and like body slamming him into the back wall. Okay? <laughs> he said it calmly. <laughs> That's actually one of the bags they sell at Lakey Con, is the. That. <laughs> I need to get that. Uh, yeah. Dumbledore's got enough issues without you giving him anger management problems, okay? Exactly. And I think this is why people have a problem. And I, I understand that, you know, Richard Harris passed. We didn't have a choice when switching to another Dumbledore. You know, he... he there was nothing that could be done about that. Yep. But the continuity of Dumbledore was not there between the two actors. No. Agreed. And you can't tell me that they could not sit there and go, okay, this is how Dumbledore should act. Act like Dumbledore. Yep, do your job as a director. <laughs> but there Bring was the a new director, though, too, wasn't it? Like <sighs> Every few movies, they had a new one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think there was a different one for the fourth one. It's mm -hmm. hard to remember. Yeah, there there was, a, there were at least, I think, five directors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Any so, other thoughts on Goblet of Fire? Not really. Alrighty. Order of the Phoenix, which is the longest book but the shortest movie. <laughs> that always tripped me up. <sighs> yeah, and as we mentioned last week, I really missed McGonagall's sass of like, have a biscuit, Potter. Or telling Peeves that the chandelier unscrews the other way. Or her sass toward Umbridge, where, you know, Umbridge is sitting in on their meeting and trying to, like, <clears throat> in the corner. And she's like, may I offer you a cough drop, Dolores? <laughs> Are you quite sure you wouldn't like a cough drop, Dolores? <laughs> you do miss Your a thoughts? lot of, you do miss a lot of McGonagall sass in the movies. And I feel like maybe that was, like, for them to make her more likable or warm. But, like, she's sassy throughout the whole series. Like, she's got quips and little things to say to those boys and everybody um, <laughs> that you don't really get to see in the movies as much. Yep. I, I, that was kind of a, a thing. It's, I wish we had seen more of Dolores and really, because I've noticed when I talk to people about hating Dolores Umbridge, the people who have not read the books are like, yeah, I really dislike her. The people who have seen the movies and read the books are like, I want her to rot in the darkest, darkest, deepest depths of hell. And I'm going, yes, you get it, because you saw all of this. Yeah. Every little bit she had going on. Um, you know, I, I really can't say anything nice about that woman. I did, however, um, Preston, uh, I, I did, however, tell Dantes, who is, Preston's my boss, by the way, uh, that we have a Dolores Umbridge working in the company. Oh, no. Yeah. He said as long as it wasn't him, I wasn't getting a write-up. <laughs> <laughs> I told him, no, it was Rob. Oh, God. Because I could see Rob attacking, like, stuff from work onto the stone walls when you yeah. first walk in. Oh my gosh, right. Totally. And he agrees. Rob, Rob is Dolores. <laughs> I will now be fired and I will never make manager. 
the books really do illustrate just how terrible she is. Um, just everything, all the awful things that she does and just make you really hate her. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and and I think because they left so much of her out, yeah, you get this dislike from her and you're like, God, I wish she would go away, but you never... <sighs> and, and that's another thing, Trelawney getting fired. That, yeah. I mean, it was in there, but it not to the same extent it was in the books. Well, and the music in the background for that scene almost made it seem playful what was going on. Right. Instead of demonstrating, like, no, she's coming in and she's stripping away every freedom that she can, just trying to oppress them to suppress the spread of true information to just spread her own propaganda and her own beliefs instead of allowing them to have free thought and access to what the truth actually is Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and and the not really needing to know about defense uh defense against the dark arts you know when when are you ever going to use this she she was horrible yeah she really was um and her setting you know, the dementors on harry yes like i don't remember if that was discussed in the movie or not but it was no. a major point in the book like no she was the one that did it and then was there at his trial claiming that oh there were no dementors you were just trying to show off you should just be expelled no that was not shown the trial didn't really show that at all yeah so um that that's another thing uh the neighbor mrs fig Uh, she was kind of she went back to the beginning basically yeah and this is where we first see her so we don't really see about her don't remember and was it cats or measles i don't remember which one she had or were they half measles or whatever but harry was over always at her house you know and whether or not he realized that he had a small tie even though she was a squib to the magic world through that and this is the first time we we see her which is why like it made so much more sense in the books for him to be like wait you can see dementors when he sees Mrs. Fig for the first time. Because mm-hmm. in the movies, it's just like, who's this random person that just appeared? Whereas Harry's known her pretty much his whole life, mm-hmm. had no idea that she was a squib or had any ties to the magical world. I will say, my, my favorite line or section from this is when Dolores is quizzing Snape. And you were unsuccessful? Obviously. Obviously. Alan just delivered that so (laughs) deadpan and so... You could see he wanted to kill her. And then him smacking Ron for sniggering at it. (laughs) (laughs) That was a beautiful moment. It really was. That was a great moment. (laughs) But again, any screen time of of Alan, you know, I'm good with So, Preston's never going to let me live that down. Yeah, I think another big thing was how 
the DA was discovered and because in the mm. books it's Cho's friend Marietta who like kind of is like um Umbridge there's like a thing if you go and Umbridge is like what are you talking about and then she's like the room of requirement and then the spell on her face appears where it's a bunch of like acne all over her face that spells out sneak like very clearly the results of Hermione's jinx on the parchment for releasing Mm -hmm. that information whereas in the books it's just um she interrogates Cho using Verita serum and Cho Mm -hmm. gives it up without the jinx yeah and that was not a very Cho thing to do either I mean to be fair Verita serum I agree. It's not a Cho thing to do, but I, with Rada, I think yeah. He, well, no, I, what I mean is I, I think Cho wouldn't have gotten caught. Mm. I think she was a little sneakier than that. Mm. You know, so it's like, let's put a character we're already not sure we like. Because, I mean, at that point, I'm already rooting for Jenny and Harry. So I don't like Cho. So now we're going to take a character that most of us don't like and put her as the bad one. And one of the few people of color that we actually have in this series, you're going to do dirty like that? Really? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At least Mary Adam was white. <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. God. Yeah. No, but I, it... The real reason in the book was because her mother worked for the Ministry of Magic. Cho drug her along unwillingly and she just kind of went along with it like and that's when she ratted everybody out but that's something that we should have seen oh i agree very pertinent information and of course then we get um fred and george's exit Mm -hmm. we get the fireworks where's that swamp and the fireworks weren't as funny in the movie as they were in the book. They were no. hilarious in the book because they're like spelling out swear words and like. <laughs> I guess you couldn't really do that in the movie, but <laughs> you know, gotta gotta keep it PG PG thirteen. Right, but... <laughs> right. Well, we we could have had some words that were not horrible just to give us. Like, you know like bollocks or something like that yeah <laughs> exactly exactly um or they could have started spelling out something and then you know cut away from it just so we saw that it was there that they were following along and that would have been a clever take clever way to do it yeah you should have helped direct, um, right <laughs> yeah I, I would have been like nope so this is going to be a 12-hour movie <laughs> 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 I hope y'all are in for it. Um, but the swamp, too, and I don't remember because it's it's been a while. The swamp never, they never got rid of that, did they? Uh, Flitwick got rid of most of it, but left part of it, claiming that it was just too advanced of magic. Um, but everybody yeah. has a suspicion that that was actually his way of honoring Fred and George. <laughs> I love that. That was good. That's another thing, Flitwick. We didn't get as much of him. Yeah, what we did, he was just made into the joke, and mm-hmm. it's like the choir director of the choir that didn't exist, and uh, mm. yeah, just <laughs> yep, or Flitwick. 
Yep. I mean, Professor Benz. Yeah. I mean, I know that class was boring, though, but he would have been cool to have at least seen once. Yeah, I mean, how many people can say they have a ghost as a teacher? They really left out a lot of the ghosts, too. Like, was Peeves even in the movies at all? No. No. Yeah. Yeah. He was filmed. That that's something they they actually have deleted scenes from oh. Peeves, but he never made it into the movies. Which I don't get because it would have been so easy to just have him like causing chaos in the background, right? Like instead of all of these weird things with the Whomping Willow and Prisoner of Azkaban, let's get something that's in the book, not the Willow killing some poor innocent bird, <laughs> like. <laughs> Let's have Peeves <laughs> dropping water balloons on the students as they enter the castle when they're already soaking wet. Oh, that's another thing, and this goes back a bit, but the death day party. Ah, uh, yes. That would have been so cool in Sorcerer's Stone. Yes. Yeah, I forgot mm. about that. Yeah, except that reminded me of Sir Nick and, you know, <clears throat> nearly headless Nick. Nearly headless. headless. How can you be nearly, <laughs> nearly headless? headless. Okay, get out of my head. Though <laughs> <laughs> so you haven't made me uh, choke on my coffee yet, or have it come out my nose, so we're doing good. Yet. <laughs> yet. Oh God, she scares me. Um. Okay, what about Half Blood Prince? Oh, so much. <laughs> I so Preston. much. So much. Um, well, I'll start with Tonks and Lupin. Mm -hmm. Like, their relationship is just left unexplained. Like, you don't know what's going on with them, how long they've been together, what trials and tribulations they've gone through, how Lupin's feeling, how Tonks is feeling. Like, it's just, oh, they're together in the movie. And you just kind of accept it. Which is such a shame because... I don't know. As somebody with a disability, I love the end scene where Tonks is like, no, I like, I don't care. I just want to be with you. And Lupin's like, no, no, no. You deserve somebody better than me. And, someone whole. Yeah. And Tonks is like, I don't want someone whole. I want you. Like, it's such an important moment and speaks so much to anybody who's got any sort of disability. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. Or anyone that, where it's not even a disability, but physical flaw yeah you know any of us with scars or from you know stretch marks or any of that it's someone willing to look past that and go i don't care about that that's not important yeah. who you yeah. are is important like flirt's comment of like all these scars are going to show is that my husband is brave i'm good looking enough for both of us <laughs> <laughs> yeah that 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 was a good one. Um, there's always Harry's sass to Snape. Just iconic. There's no need to call me Sir Professor. <laughs> uh, Bruno Laslub is my nickname. Yes, your nickname? favorite. <laughs> That's what my friends call me. I don't know what Bruno nickname Laslub. That, that, yes, yes. Um, I, I don't know if I could have delivered any of those lines against Alan Rickman without just dying of embarrassment or laughing hysterically. Yeah, 
or being terrified for your life, especially when he's in character. Right. <laughs> yes. Um. So here's another thing: the buildup of Ron and Lavender's relationship. Yes. Because all we get is we never see them together, we never see them interact, and all of a sudden they're a couple. Yeah. Whereas, and then we see Hermione all upset. Yeah. Whereas in the books, like we see a lot of buildup. Like if you're looking for it, you can tell Lavender's been interested in Ron for a long time. Like probably at least since Prisoner of Azkaban, and there's that whole blow up scene where Harry and Ron catch Ginny and Dean making out in one of the corridors. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Harry's dealing with his own internal thing of being, like, super jealous because he's realizing, oh, I really like Ginny. And then Ron is just, you know, yelling at Ginny and Ginny accuses him of never having kissed anybody but their aunt. And yeah. so he storms yeah. off and decides to go find whoever will make out with him. And it happens to be Lavender. And yeah, yeah. it's so sad. <laughs> And it's funny because she is interested in him, but she, he, like, doesn't even notice the whole time, really. Like, he's just not interested back. And then all of a sudden, like, they're yeah, making out. as ob observant as a teaspoon, as Hermione would say. <laughs> well, he, yeah. I mean, look at his emotional range, according to Hermione. <laughs> he's got none. Mm -hmm. But I think also that that shows very much I think how any of us were as teenagers were any of us that observant towards someone we were interested in or someone interested in us I wasn't <laughs> I'm still not <laughs> Preston no yeah like I'm probably oblivious to most advances and still am yeah <laughs> oh yeah you're oblivious <laughs> Oh, you are super oblivious. So, yeah. an another thing, and y'all know by now, I could rant about Ginny forever. I oh. so hate the way her character was written in it, and it is not Bonnie Wright's fault. She acted it as best as she could, but the way that they wrote Ginny was horrendous. It just, the real Ginny would not have, like, stopped to tie Harry's shoe. She would have stepped on it and pushed him down the stairs to think it was funny. Right. She was the youngest of how many brothers? Like Yeah. Exactly. Like she yeah, she's her character was completely different. Differently written yes. for the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And they did her dirty. And like their first kiss in the books is like after Harry's gotten detention because he was an idiot and jinxed Draco and almost killed him by accident. Mm. And so he misses the Quidditch final. And he come, finally gets done with detention, comes into the uh, common room, and they're all celebrating. They won. Everything's mm -hmm. so exciting. And Ginny just sees him and, like, books it toward him. And they're just, like, kissing. And it makes my fangirl heart so happy. <laughs> and then in the book, it was, like, a weird, like, flirtatious, just close your eyes. I could stay up here, too, if you like. Yeah. No. No, 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 no. And I, I think, too, we, we miss out on a lot of the jealousy of Hermione and Ron. Yep. Yes. 
all we get from the movie is the hospital scene and her crying. Yep. That's it. Yeah, like that scene in Herbology where um, Hermione is like asking Ron to Slughorn's Christmas party with her. Yes. And Harry's just over in the corner like, I don't want to be here. I'm making as much noise as possible. I don't want any part of this conversation. And it's Mm -hmm. it's so delightfully awkward teenagers well there's also there's also the um the friendship too we we miss out on certain details of the trio's friendship through all of that too yep so but i i I talked to someone about that last night they they were they saw my purse i had um for those who don't know, I have two Harry Potter purses. I have a red Gryffindor, and I have my uh, light pink Deathly Hallows purse. Preston knows which one I'm talking about. I, I had that one <laughs> yesterday, and someone saw it and was like, oh, you're a Harry Potter fan. And I'm like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> Didn't want to go full nerd. Um, and they were like, yeah, I always wanted uh, Harry and Hermione together. And I was like, oh, but remember in the books, she goes, oh, I've never read it. Oh. Like, Oh, and this is this is my theory. People who ship Harry and Hermione have only seen the movies and never read the books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or don't understand the relationship between Ron and Hermione. Yeah. Because in the next book is where we really see Ron waking up, going, "Oh wait, I like Hermione." <laughs> yeah. Oops. Yeah, don't realizing ask. that oh she is a girl, but. Not saying out loud to her that he's realizing that, because that was just a disaster. <laughs> Hermione, you're a girl. No kidding. <laughs> Dunderhead moments, 101, Ron. <laughs> okay, so, um, oh, another thing, and we kind of touched on this last week, Dumbledore's funeral. Ugh. That being left out, the details. It would have been such a beautiful scene for the movie to really show it by the lake and have all of those details. And Mm -hmm. we didn't get that. I missed it. No. Yeah. And I know, Mm -hmm. like, Ivana Lynch went to the director and was like, you can use my salary to, like, make that scene. We really need it. And they were just like, no, we don't have the budget. We're just not able to do it. It's like, guys, come on. This is one of the most like significant cultural phenomenons going on right now find the budget <laughs> they they could have done it they had mm-hmm. yeah but the centaurs to them are people um we get more tonks and loop in there yep and since i really shipped those two hardcore uh i wanted to see that yep so and i think too it um yeah, I, I needed that scene, and I needed it. Well, right, and I don't think the centaurs were even really in there until, or, or were even in there at all. Like, were they even in the Battle of Hogwarts at the in the final movie? Because um, the centaur was supposed to what uh, replaced Trelawney um, for divination, yeah. and that never happened in the movie. Um, and eventually created that relationship with the centaurs. No, yeah. that was that was never shown. And then 
the kids being able to choose who their divination teacher was. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then Trelawney's disdain and calling Frenzy the horse, and that's his yeah, name. I forgot his name. I was like, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was on the tip of my tongue, and I'm like, I'm gonna butcher it, so I'm not gonna say it. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, all of that, and the, the different creatures, and I think that showed um, a lot. As much as I have a problem with Dumbledore periodically, I think that showed a lot to his character when other creatures are willing to show up to someone's funeral. Mm-hmm. Because he must yeah. have treated them with, with respect and dignity. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Like, let's have less of Bellatrix randomly burning down the burrow, which did not happen, and more of what actually happened in the books. Please and thank you. Yes. Yes. Right, because the next we're back in the next movie and the burrow looks the same like it did before. Like It's all hunky-dory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did not understand the purpose of that scene, what in the world they were trying to accomplish. Especially, like you said, when they didn't change the appearance of the burrow next time we see it. I, I think it was someone, and I were talking about this years ago, and they said that they felt like it was to show how insane Bellatrix really was. But we all knew how crazy she was. We did not need that. No, Helena Bonham Carter nailed that role. Yes, she, she knew she really how to. Did. She knows how to sell, like, <clears throat> lost your mind, just out here to cause chaos, and I don't care who gets hurt in the process. Mm-hmm. But maybe that was right. a movie thing that they added because we didn't get to see all of her crazy as we did in the books. Right, I, there could be that, but I mean, this is also the same woman who had no problem killing her own cousin. Mm-hmm. Or torturing I mean, the long bottoms into insanity. Which we didn't get. Which we never got to see any of St. Mungo's. Like the uh, hospital Neville's at all. His parents. Yeah, his parents, Gildoy Lockhart. Oh yeah. 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 It would have been incredible to have seen St. Mungo's. I understand that there would have been like a whole nother set that they would have had to build, a ton more people <laughs> they would have had to cast. Like that I understand why they weren't able to make that happen, but I wish they'd been able to. Yeah. Yeah, I... Mm, no. <laughs> I, I missed all that. I, I needed that scene, those scenes. Especially Neville's parents, too. Also, realizing that Harry was almost not the cho- chosen one. Yeah. Um, And that could have been Neville. Nope. If you've not read the books, you don't get this. Yeah, that Neville and Harry are much more connected than the movie shows them to be right and i think that that's part of the problem is there are some people who will not have the opportunity to read the books maybe they've seen the movies at school or at a friend's house but they'll never you know maybe they can't afford the books or maybe they can't read or they don't have access to um, the audiobooks this was pertinent information Yep, or just don't have time to read the books. I mean, right? I don't have time to reread them very often. And I'm a major fan, so yeah. Well, I mean, you did listen to the audiobooks before LeakyCon. Yeah, which we're really gonna have to reread the books 
Yeah. Fun fact, that Thanks. was actually how I was introduced to Harry Potter. In my fifth grade class, our teacher got the Sorcerer's Stone audiobook and played it for us like during our like end of day period like for half an hour at a time or so and it's oh. it really started my love and it's just like you were talking about audiobooks i just had to share it like oh there's a special place in my heart like, for those Aww. yeah yeah that's amazing it really is because I... like, that started my love because then after that book i was like mom we need every one of these books. And that was my birthday Christmas present for the next five years. <laughs> like, <laughs> Aww, I need to know what happens. Yes. <sighs> yeah. And I bet the minute you got them, you just sat there and read and read and read. Oh my and gosh. Read, didn't I, rest in I remember the day that I got half blood prince and I was just geek it out. Like, I think it was Christmas and I was just so excited and yep. Couldn't wait to just go to bed and sit with my lamp. <laughs> yep. Start reading. <laughs> Sorry, I, I went off on a tangent. We, we're not even done talking. <laughs> talking about no, our- that, that, that's relevant. <laughs> I love that. Tangents are very welcome here, Preston. We go off on enough of them as it is. Yep. Like every time, and I do this a few times an episode. You know, talk about how great Snape is, and you know, try to convince Loretta that he's not pure evil. I don't think he's pure evil. I just don't like him as a person. I will. There. I'll get you to come around. Okay. You keep saying that. And I'll, <laughs> I'll have weekly rants about Ginny and how much I love her and how dirty the series did her. <laughs> That's okay. I will get you and Preston along to my line of thinking. <laughs> I have more time to work on Preston, though. You <laughs> can't escape me at work. Yeah, right. She can just point at <laughs> me while I'm rolling my silverware. And... <laughs> Preston, by the way, did you know this about Snape? <laughs> I'll hear him yelling from one of the managers, Stephanie, get her away from me. <laughs> or or Dantes, who will then probably join in on me. Oh, he I think definitely Dantes, I think he likes Snape. Mm, I can see that. He says he's a Gryffindor. I think he's really a Slytherin. <laughs> I don't believe him. When he said, tells me he's a Gryffindor. All right. Anything else for Half-Blood Friends before I move on to Deathly Hollows, Final Book, last two movies? No. No, I think I'm good. No. All right. Um, something we mentioned in last week's episode was Ron and Hermione's actual first kiss and their actual relationship. I, yeah. Yes! I, it, it wasn't bad per se in the movie but it wasn't as meaningful because in the book you know they're back at Hogwarts they're gearing up for the final battle they're like discussing all these logistics and Ron's like well but wait what about the house elves we can't ask them to fight for us and because the books never mentioned SPEW or how much Hermione cared about the house elves like it you know you weren't able to have that much more of a deeper meaning behind it of showing Ron has been listening. He does actually care about the things Hermione cares about. Yeah, there, and I, again, and I don't know if Preston realizes or not, but when it comes to canon, I am a hardcore Ron Hermione. Like, you're not going to convince me in canon, those two do not belong together. Oh my gosh, fan I agree. Fiction, fan fiction is a whole different world we will touch now. Um, 
<laughs> Preston doesn't even know about that, so now he's going to corner me at work. I have to make sure our schedules don't mesh up this week. Um, <laughs> um, <clears throat> because Preston would be very disappointed. Um, but I did like, even though they, they didn't put in the actual first kiss, you, they did put in little things that showed how much he was paying attention. It wasn't the same as as mentioning uh, SPEW. Not even close, because this is something that goes way back. Um, and I don't think he was even trying to impress her at that point. It was just like, just came to mind, oh, we should do something. Yep. Um, and it was a really precious moment between them, like, like Loretta said, oh, Ron, you have been listening, and like, he deserves a kiss after that. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then, of course, Harry going, guys, we're in the middle of a war here. <laughs> guys. <laughs> you know he was sitting there shaking his head going, what in the hell? Why? <laughs> <laughs> These two finally get together and they choose <laughs> this moment to do it. Right. Uh-huh. And Perfect a part of him timing. thinking, well, this is about right for the two of them. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Never do things when it's convenient. Um, <laughs> but they did put in, like I said, they did put in a few things uh, where when Ron speaks uh, parcel tongue and impressing Hermione. So you do get a visual of her going, wow, there's more to Ron than I thought. But of course, at this point, I think she is in love with him. So that was kind of not necessary. It was cute. Mm-hmm. but not necessary. Yeah, I love her reaction in the movie when he finally rejoins them. And, yeah, she's like, you complete arse, Ronald Weasley. Just, yes. Harry, where's my wand? And Harry's like, nope, nope, <laughs> run away, run away. I don't want you to kill my best friend. <laughs> I, I, I did like, someone had taken a, a, a shot of the movie and when he first brings Ron back, you can see this look on his face like, look what I did for you, Hermione. Look what I brought you. Aren't I a wonderful friend? And then you see the shock on his face when Hermione goes off and it's like, oh, crap, I screwed up. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Someone's going to kill someone. Or that scene in the tent where they're like trying out the new one and, he, you know, he's like, Incorgio, and it's like this towering Thing of flame, Reducio, and like Hermione's like, what's going on in there? And they're both just like, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that is is very something. Those two would not be alive without her. Exactly. No, like they're seventeen year old boys. Of course, they're gonna be like set their tent on fire and stuff. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Yep. Is is this typical teenage boy behavior, Preston? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, I think I was in the Boy Scouts. This is yeah, camping every okay. summer. Like I have so many burn scars and just random <laughs> other st- things from tomfoolery. Oh, yeah, my brother's seventeen. I can attest to that as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I it, it it makes sense. I I can see it with teenage boys, but. I was just kind of hoping that was all just Ron and Harry, not actual how teenage boys were. No, she did a good job of depicting that. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. Um, 
th that's another thing. The final battle, um, that that whole scene. I, I still to this day think the way they pictured um, Voldemort's death did make sense. It's more of a visual of he's done. He can't come back. This is not happening. But um, that was a really drawn out battle between the two of them. I felt. Well, and it drives me crazy that every single major duel that we get in this series, we always have like the two wands connecting with the stream of light. And it's like, that was very intentionally something that only happened with the Priori Incantatum. Mm -hmm. and it was only between Harry and Voldemort because of their matching wands and their shared past. And yeah, it just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the scene in the book was much more tense and riveting and just like mm -hmm. suspenseful, whereas like it was very action-packed in this chasey rather in the movie right. yeah or like them There's... flying around together with their faces all like distorted <laughs> let's finish this the way we started together what yeah that was not well yeah and there's also um harry fixing his wand mm -hmm. with the elder wand mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah um and keeping it, keeping the older one. Yeah, not snapping it in half and throwing it off a broken bridge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Um, yeah. It, there's also, oh, Deathly Hallows. There's um, Ron getting the book, The Twelve Fail Safe Ways to Charm Witches. That, yeah. I missed that. And him trying those things on Hermione. Yeah, being like, wow, you really have an eye for this sort of thing. And <laughs> just like, Thank oh you. man. Yeah, yeah. Don't try too hard there, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think also the scene with, with, um, Luna's dad was better mm -hmm. in the books. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It seemed very rushed and very artificial in the movie. Their house wasn't quirky enough to be the no. London house. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that, that did set what. Uh, you made a good point, too. Um, Loretta uh, Aberforth yelling at the Death Eaters about his Patronus being a goat and not a stag. Yeah. We miss that. You know, Harry's in Hogsmeade and there's a Dementor, so he, you know, casts a Patronus charm. Obviously, a stag is going to give him away. And, you know, the Death Eaters are like, I saw it, I know I saw it. And then Aberforth covers for Harry and is like, My Patronus is a goat, not a stag, you idiot. And, like, show, you know, casts his Patronus, you see a goat, and, and it's a nice moment of humor in what is otherwise like a very dark time. That's going to Aberforth. That's another thing. And and people who have not read the books 
who've only seen the movies, and then go to see um, you know, all the Fantastic Beasts movies, are always surprised by Grindelwald and Dumbledore. We got that. Now, we didn't get the full exploration of the relationship in the Harry Potter books. But again, this is not Dumbledore's, just Dumbledore's story yep. in the Harry Potter books. This is Harry mm-hmm. Potter. Um, but they didn't really cover that. They didn't cover their sister's death, really. Not in the same vein. Dumbledore's parents. Yeah, and just the way that that shaped who Dumbledore was as a person, because, you know, obviously in the books we see that he and Grindelwald did once agree about, you know, for greater good, magic is might, like we're, you know, world domination, all this stuff. But then after Ariana's death, you know, Dumbledore, Aber- or uh, Albus Dumbledore changes and becomes the champion of muggles and muggleborn and, you know, the underdogs that nobody else seems to care about. Right. Yeah, that that was a big thing. So. Another thing um, in, the, in the movie, when Harry and Hermione, after Ron leaves in a huff and goes away, Harry and Hermione share that moment in the tent where they start dancing together. And it's, I don't, it doesn't make sense. It's confusing. No. It's, yeah, it's not supposed to be there. I don't know. I've always had an issue with it. I I have too. It seemed more like a romantic moment than a friendship moment. And I I can't see myself going up to a male best friend and going, hey, let's dance. Right. And maybe that's why everybody who's seen the movies always ships Harry and Hermione because of that Mm. moment there. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I had forgotten about that scene until you just said something. I think I've purposely blocked it. (laughs) (laughs) That didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) That's not real. It couldn't have been. All right. Any other things from Deathly Hollow specifically? I know we've got a couple of, like, general notes for, like, overall themes. No, not for me, uh, for you, Retta, there's always Jenny's bat bogey hex. I love it. That's how she gets into the slug club, and it's just it's her signature thing to just turn people's buggers into bats. I just... I mean, Harry's got his signature move. She's got hers. <laughs> yeah. And it's a very Gryffindor-sounding jinx, honestly, or hex. Like, that's just such a Gryffindor thing to do, where it's like, it doesn't really harm them that much, except psychologically, like, that would be very terrifying to suddenly have bats coming out of your nose. <laughs> Definitely psychologically harming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, though, imagine doing that to a, a little, little kid. Oh my god, that, the deep trauma that could cause. Yeah. Yeah, talk about Ron being scared of spiders, you would be terrified of bats. <laughs> right. Right. Did we cover everything there? I think we did, or at least that we can think of now. Yeah, I think so. Uh, there's also Jenny's quote where she calls Ron a prat during Quidditch practice, mm. and Harry's like, "Don't call him a prat. You're not the captain." And she's like, "Well, you weren't going to, and I thought someone should." <laughs> yeah. 
I read somewhere, and I'll have to double check their birthdays, but someone told me that Ron and Jenny are actually Irish twins. Interesting. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna look that up. And that would be very interesting. She is to find only out one if, year younger than him, right? Right. I, right. I think. I mean, and to uh, be Irish twins, you have to be born in the same year. Yes. She was born August 11th of 1981. Okay. So they are not. There's no okay. way they would have been born in the same. Okay. Year. And he was March 1st of 1980. Okay. So they're only like. Oh, they're very close in age, though. That would explain, yeah. like, the relationship they had. Yeah. They're enough space apart to be Irish twins, but they're not born in the same year. Right? Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Which is it's close enough, though. Um, yeah, but that would explain their relationship and the. They were very close, but called each other out. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I feel like all the Weasleys did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They were <laughs> always doing that to each other. I don't know. I think Fred and George were a little too afraid to call Jenny out on too much. Mm. <laughs> I think they were a little terrified of her, to be honest. Yeah. Size is no indication of power. Just look at Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? Oh, my God. I can see friend George going out. Uh, let's not piss off the little sister. We don't want to die. It's not on our yeah. goal plan today. Yep. Uh, let's go piss off Ron instead. He won't do anything. <laughs> Poor Ron. <sighs> Rupert did a very good job portraying him, though. He did. Oh, I yeah. agree. Especially for how poorly written the character was, he really acted his heart out to help make up for how the character was written. He did. He really did. All right, if that covers that, I think we're ready for our guest interview. We're calling this the Quizzler. <clears throat> so every time we have a guest on a show, we're going to have two surprise questions for them. Oh, God. Uh, I did not give Preston a heads up. I may have given him some evil looks here or there. Uh, I'm sure he was wondering what those were about. So, Preston. Question number one. Okay. If you had, I repeat, had to use one of the unforgivable curses, which would it be and why? Mm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what a tough question. Um... <laughs> Hmm. I don't know. I don't want to kill anybody. I don't want to torture anybody. <laughs> oh no! Um, probably okay. If I had to, probably about a cadaver, just because they're done. No pain. Dead. But, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The least or the most humane, maybe. Yeah. Oh, okay. Good answer. Okay. Yeah. You know, a little crucio on the, the people who are mean to us at work wouldn't hurt either. <clears throat> and Michelle, your Slytherin is showing. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's my secondary house for a reason, damn it. <laughs> I mean, just a, just a tiny crucio. I mean, not even, yeah, no longer than 10 seconds. Like a week one. Yeah, 10 seconds I just seconds want them to so. feel like they stepped on a Lego, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. 
or a Lego got embedded somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and there's the Gryffindor back. <laughs> All right. Question number two. If you could re- rewrite one scene and only one scene in the movies, which would it be and why? I think so in a lot in the movies you miss a lot of Dobby and his mm. relationship with Harry um, and I think mm-hmm. I would take maybe not just one scene out of the movies but the scenes where Dobby is missed in that relationship and like how um Dobby gives Harry the, is it Gillyweed, the help of Breeze mm-hmm. Underwater, um, yeah. instead of Neville in the movies, uh, whereas Dobby is actually, like, coerced by Mad-Eye Moody and all of that, but you don't really see that. And I just feel like the relationship between Dobby and his death at the end would have been even more sad like and more monumental if you had that relationship build up and spew and everything like the house elves more house elves really Mm, yeah i agree agreed yeah all right so that was that was your two tough questions preston i like those they were they were good (laughs) i was sure the the first question he's like well hmm, let's see bringing a crucio michelle for not giving me a heads up on these yeah right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I thought those that that answer was supposed to come. That didn't. Thank God. <laughs> I'll just get tripped at work or something. Yeah, you know. So, alrighty. Right. So now it is time for voicemails. It's a very exciting new segment that we've got. And today's voicemail is from David from the Needlessly Nerdy Podcast Network. So let's listen to that hopefully you guys will be able to hear this hello gryffindor gals it's david from the needlessly nerdy podcast network calling for the first time i got a quick question for you guys the way that i understand it is that avada kedavra is a spell that basically rips your soul straight out of your body instantaneous painless death that is considered one of the worst crimes that you could possibly have in the wizarding world um but there's worse spells than a Vaticadaver that can kill you. Like the way the Bellatrix died in the Battle of Hogwarts. I'm looking at that spell and I'm thinking, that's got to be worse, right? That's a way worse death than getting a Vaticadaver. So in the same vein, during the Battle of Hogwarts, why weren't more people on the good side using that spell? Is it not a more humane spell to kill somebody? I'd appreciate your guys' thoughts. Love the podcast. Keep it up. We <sighs> have a question. Wow. That's not the first time I've listened to that voicemail, and each time I just. Wow. So, David, thank you for the question. Yes. Uh, I, thank uh, you so much. I, 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 I don't know how I feel about you now, David. Um. <laughs> So my initial response to this would be that it's regarding the type of magic that it is, because the unforgivable curses are explained that they are like very, very dark black magic. Um, 
and that's why those three are in a category all their own of being unforgivable is because they are such dark magic i mean arguably like sectum sempra which like causes horrible cuts to appear all over a person's body that's also very dark magic but it's not classified as an unforgivable curse and so i'm guessing it's something to do with how dark the magic is Okay. Preston? I agree to the fact that, like, the dark magic and... Oh, it's... Okay, let me... (laughs) So, I do agree with David. Maybe the fact that they don't use these dark magic curses is to preserve their own souls. Um, Because they know what impact it holds on themselves and the other uh, by using the dark magic. Um, Yeah. All right. Uh, My answer is kind of three different answers to this, three different explanations. Number one, and I did talk to Preston about this, you have to mean it. If I were to point, if I am a a, a witch and I point a wand at you, and I don't really mean Avada Kedavra, you're not going to die. I don't know if anyone on the side of light had it in their hearts to really mean it to do that kind of spell. You really have to want someone dead. And that will lead me back into a point later on about how Snake didn't actually kill Dumbledore that way. Um, And I have proof. I have, I have 100% proof. I talked to Preston about this. I think he agreed with me that it was proof, somewhat. Uh, Dantes did agree with me. Um, did it? But you have, you have to mean it. And if you don't mean it, it's not going to do anything. So, you know, Ron could have pointed his wand at anyone and said, Avada Kedavra. Did he have it in his heart? Same thing with Molly Weasley. Did she have it in her heart to kill? They wouldn't have been able to cast that spell truly mm. and mean it. Right. So they just didn't use it. Right. There's also, it rips a piece of your soul apart. And that was discussed at LeakyCon. I don't know if you were in that room when that was discussed. Um, yeah, I don't remember if I was in that panel or not. There was a lot of panels going on that weekend. That one was the one with the nerdy couple? Yeah, I went to a couple of them. Yeah, I don't remember if you were in that one. But, yeah, um... Also, are you willing to have a piece of your soul ripped out? Mm-hmm. Are you willing to do that to yourself? There's also the fact, I don't think any of them were wanting anyone dead. I think they were, they wanted to incapacitate them. I think they wanted them on trial. I don't think they actually wanted anyone dead. I think Molly you know, they're, wanted they're... Bellatrix dead, though. Like, I think she she purposely killed her, like, she had a vendetta was yeah okay molly, <laughs> yes but the, yes molly do i think she had it in her heart to actually perform the spell though no, no. she was a good woman um yeah like septum sempra as an example harry didn't even know what that did so he couldn't have if that was an unforgivable curse he couldn't have successfully cast it because right. he just was like well i don't know it says for enemies i'll just try it <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Leave it to Snape to look at that curse. Um, 
but yeah, I, I don't think any of them really, I mean, other than Bellatrix, um, I don't think any of them wanted him dead. And I don't know that Molly would have been able to even kill Bellatrix had Fred not number one died and two Jenny not been attacked. Right. Yep. So again, it goes into what is in the heart of the person performing the spells. And yeah, even though like Molly was completely distraught and like almost lost, had lost a child and almost another one, like she still wasn't couldn't find it in her heart to use an unforgivable curse. Yeah. So there we go. All right. Well, thank you so much for that voicemail, David. Uh, yeah, we really appreciate the input. Um, and anybody else who would like to send in a voicemail, the link is in our show notes. We would love to hear from you guys. All right. And on that note, folks, we are on Instagram and we are on TikTok. Uh, TikTok videos will hopefully be going up in this week. Uh, the link is in the show notes. And um, we also have an email address. You are welcome to send us an email. Uh, that is Gryffindor Common Room Pod at gmail.com uh yeah send us a voicemail as well on here we'd be more than happy to uh discuss any topics you want to send us if you would prefer also not for us not to play the voicemail and just relay it let us know we're more than happy to do that as well yep um and we do have a discord server so we're still getting started on that um but we were having some pretty good discussions on there um, and it's just fun to always have access to other nerds through Discord. So if you're interested in that, check out uh, the link in our show notes. Uh, if you would like to guest host a future episode like Preston did, uh, please email us uh, with some topics you'd be interested in discussing just so that we know uh, sort of what type of episode to get you in on. Uh, we'd love to have you. Preston would love to have you back anytime. Just let me know and we will make that happen. Um, I do have a quick shout out to give. Uh, I, I do not, <laughs> cannot remember their names, and I know they told me. Uh, I, Preston, you will think this is cool. A um, few months ago, someone came in with that same Harry Potter purse I have. Um, we talked about it. They recognized me the other night. Uh, don't remember if I was hosting or I was SP or what I was doing at work, but I sat them, and she goes, oh, you're the girl that likes Harry Potter. And I told her about the podcast, and they went and shared it oh. all over social media. Cool. That's awesome. I thought that was just so amazing. Um, I, I couldn't believe it. They're sitting there in front of me, like, on their phones going, here, share, 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 mentioning it on Facebook. I just – so thank you guys for doing that. That meant a lot to, to all of us. I, that was just – I was almost in tears that night. Yeah, so. thank you so much for your support. Um, I also have a shout out to Cal from the Franchise Den, who has been helping me edit these episodes and figure out what in the world I'm doing, because I would not have been able to have published <laughs> any of these without his help. So thank you, Cal, <laughs> for all of your help and patience with my 1001 questions. Yes, Cal, thank you. We appreciate this. All right, Preston, thank you for joining us. This thanks. was great. I loved it. Thanks for having me. I've loved it. It's been a pleasure, really. Yay. All right. Well, 
Thank you, everyone, for listening. I'm Michelle. I'm Retta. I'm Preston. <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us, and we'll, we'll see you next back. year. Yeah. Ooh. Happy New Year's. Happy New Year's, guys.